Joshua chapter 1. And starting in verse 1, it reads, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord is with you wherever you go. The book of Joshua begins with a commission to Joshua by God, telling him what he's supposed to do with the nation of Israel. Before that, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses had just died. And so the entire nation of Israel was without a leader. And they needed that leader. And that's who Joshua ended up becoming to be. And to us as the readers, this seems like a completely impossible, daunting task that is put on Joshua's shoulders. Joshua has spent the previous 38 years watching upwards of 2 million people die of old age and sickness and everything else under the sun and just wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. And now, after 38 years, he has to place a plan in action to go into the land that was promised. He has to encourage and ignite a fire underneath everyone to go into the land of Canaan. And as we get to the land of Canaan, we see that Joshua and Moses are two very different people at the beginning of their leadership at the beginning of their commission. And this passage in Joshua 1, 1 through 9, I've taken out five different keys for success that we read in these passages that we can apply to our everyday lives as Christians. This first key to success is to accept the position that God gives you. We cannot accept excuses. When God commissioned Moses... At first, he was very hesitant. In Exodus chapters 3 and 4, he made five different excuses to God as to why he shouldn't have been the leader. And I'm paraphrasing chapters 3 and 4, but he asked God, who am I 
being a shepherd and a fugitive of the law to deliver Israel. He also asked, who are you to send me? Asking God. He continues to say, they won't believe me that you are sending me. And then he makes the excuse of his speech impediment, his slurred speech, his uh, slowed speech, as he says. And then he ends up just saying, send someone else. I don't want to do this. This isn't the job for me. But God answers every single one of those questions that Moses has. When Moses is asking, who am I? God is saying, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be with you. You're going to be okay, and you're going to deliver the people out of Egypt because I've said so. And so Moses is asking God, well, then if that's the case, who are you? Who are you to tell me to do this? And God says, I am who I am. And that phrase translated, I am uh, who I am, it's, the reason it's worded like this is that the singular form to be is what it is mentioning. And so that would be, I am watching the game. I am walking down this path. But the way it's worded like this, I am who I am, is a standalone description. The I am is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. God's existence is not built upon anything else. He is the everlasting to the everlasting. He's the beginning and the end. And whatever he promises will be, will be. And so when God identified himself as I am who I am, he stated that no matter what, no matter who, no matter when, he is the one that's there. And even after this, Moses still had the audacity to ask God for more reasons as to why. When he said, they won't believe me that you sent me, he uses the staff that Moses is using as a shepherd to give signs. He gives him the ability to do signs as well, like a leprous hand and things along those lines. Then he also says, I'm not a good speaker. So he says, you're going to have Aaron who's going to speak on your behalf. You're going to be just fine. And then Moses, as I said, just said, send someone else. I don't want to do this. I don't want this position. And there wasn't really a response from God. It was just anger at this point. And apparently it worked because in the very next set of verses, Moses is on his way back to Egypt. Joshua, on the other hand, accepted this position without a second thought. After God speaks in this text, verses 1 through 9, and the very next thing where a person is talking it's a command by Joshua for the people to get ready to head into the land of promise. When it comes to accepting our positions, we need to know that sometimes things may be beyond our control. When Moses was the leader, he had the staff. He had Aaron. He had the law. When Joshua was the leader, he didn't have Aaron. He didn't have a staff. But he had the law. He had God on his side. 
And that was all that was needed to conquer the land of giants and the land of empires to where they can have that milk and honey. And the same is true for us. As part of being the body of Christ, we all have different needs and different uh, purposes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul is reading that for just as the body is one and has many members, all of the members are of the body. And though many, the body is one. And so it is with Christ. We all have value and we all have purpose and we all need to work together. We can't all be the same body part. That's not how a body works. We are all different and we all need to come together. The second key to success is to follow in the footsteps of godly people. Joshua's trail was blazed because of the road that God initially paved for Moses. It was ready for him, but lawlessness caused the people to wait for almost 40 years. An entire generation of people had to be punished for its lawlessness. And in this life, with the different forms and outlets, we have more opportunities for bad influences than good sometimes. And as good and bad influences go, the good can become great, but the bad can become worse. King Asa in 1 Kings chapter 15, as he was leading, his mother was performing idolatry. She was worshiping graven images. And so he removed his own mother from office, from power. That's not easily done. But the fact that he focused on the law and God more than family shows how important this message is. And on the other end of this token, King Manasseh, one of the most evil and wicked kings to ever rule, he was so wicked during his reign that the entire law of the Jews was lost for several generations. It was gone that until his grandson, Josiah, as he was reigning, he didn't have a Passover feast until he was 26. For a Jew from birth, the fact that you don't celebrate the Passover is ridiculous. The Passover was to be a remembrance of what God has done for the people. And the fact that he wasn't able to even do it because he didn't know about it shows how far those generations have been. As Judges 2, 7 through 11 reads, it also shows us the consequences if we don't help or teach the next generation of people. At any given time, a generation is immensely close to lawlessness. But at the same side, this next generation coming up could be the next generation that is the most, faith, the most faithful it's ever been. And we have to make sure that we do this together. In Proverbs 27, 17, it reads, Iron sharpens iron, so one must sharpen another. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, And one man might prevail against one who is alone. Two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Teamwork is the most important part of this. We can't be individual Christians. We have to be a unit of Christians working together for good. If one is uh, 
falling, if one is just in an absolute bad state, we're all hurting. The church is hurting. And so we have to do our best to build each other up and not be individual units. The third key to success is to recognize the awesome and powerful presence of the Lord. In Exodus chapter 13, the Lord went before him by day in a pillar and a cloud to lead them along the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them the light, and that they might travel by day and night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from them before the people. And that's verses 21 and 22 of Exodus 13. God was present with the people. In Hebrew, this is called the Shekinah, the glory of the Lord. And this glory was with them in a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. And then when the tabernacle and the temple were built, the glory of the Lord filled the entire temple. He was present. He was with them. When God is speaking to Joshua, Joshua doesn't interrupt. He doesn't ask questions while, he's, while God is talking. When God is telling us something in Scripture, we need to listen. We can't go looking for our own answers. When God says something and has the final say, we need to notice that authority. The fourth key to success is to exercise courage. Be strong and courageous. And sometimes we can't help but just get to work. When the Jews were being bullied, whenever they came back from exile from the surrounding regions, Nehemiah encouraged his people and confronted the enemies on his own, saying that there is a good work to do and you're not going to stop it. When the Jews were sent to Babylon, and then later Persia, the captivity lasted several generations. When Nebuchadnezzar seized Jerusalem, the temple was destroyed and the wall was destroyed. And there was an exile of people, but some were still left behind. And then there was a second exile, and some were still left behind. And so that group of people was there. They were so useless that they couldn't even be slaves. And they just lived in ruin. They lived in destruction. They didn't know what to do. But then Nehemiah comes and he encourages them to build it up. A wall that was in ruin for 80 years is built in less than four months. It shows what courage and dependability can do when you have the strong leadership and the strong example of God. Another wonderful example is our God's servant Esther. In chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, she goes into the king's chambers. She wants to have a meeting with the king, and it's unauthorized, and there's no notary that she has a meeting. And so she very well could have died because... The custom was, if you didn't have a meeting and the king didn't hold out a scepter, you were given the death sentence. But she did it, and he held out his scepter. Her courage and her faith saved countless people. 
where she could have done nothing and just saved her own skin. But that's not what a good servant does. Another lesson of courage comes from 1 Samuel chapter 14. Uh, King Saul is fighting the Philistines in war, and his son Jonathan and his armor bearer are going up to fight an entire garrison of Philistine troops just by themselves because they have the faith that God will deliver them. And all this is happening while King Saul, the leader of the army of Israel, the man with half of the swords of Israel, is napping underneath a pomegranate tree. We need to be bold in what we do as Christians. If the Christians of the first century weren't bold, we wouldn't be here today. We need to make sure that we are fighting and that we are thriving. We can't be bland in our faith. And the fifth and final key to success from Joshua 1, 1 through 9 is to read the scriptures often. When God didn't give Joshua, Aaron, or a staff, he gave him the word. He said that you're to meditate on it day and night and not let it leave your mouth. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. 2 Timothy 3.16 and Psalms 119, there is plenty to mention of what the word is to us. Most common is your lamp, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 119.105. Five keys to success. And these five keys helped Joshua. They helped them cross the Jordan. They helped them destroy Jericho. They helped them destroy entire empires to where the Canaanites feared Israel. They knew Israel, and they knew the God of Israel. And whenever there, that was ever in question, God showed the people who he was. God is great, and he knows a lot more than we do. Our collective wisdom combined is still more foolish than the foolishness of God. 1 Corinthians one twenty-five, And when we realize that our role becomes even greater because we have God leading us. There's no limit to what we can accomplish together. If you've thought, if you've thought about it, if you've thought hard and that you want to begin your walk with Christ in baptism, or if you have and you're just not in the situation that you'd like to be. Or if it's been a rough week, if it's been a rough year, a rough life, and you just need that encouragement from the brotherhood and that we're all in this together, prayers are an absolute wonderful thing. And it's encouraged. We need to continuously know that God is faithful and he's not wavering from us. Whatever your need may be, uh, the opportunity for the invitation is extended as we stand and as we sing.